Well, good day and welcome back to the Humans of Agriculture podcast. I'm your host, Ollie Laleve, and each week we're sitting down with different people who are involved in our food system, understanding their story, their backgrounds, and what their journey has been like. This week, I'm standing on Yagra and Turbul country, and I'd like to pay my respects to their elders past, present, and any future generations. To give you guys a bit of a visual, we're up here at Brisbane at the Ecker. It's been a couple of years since it's been on. It's an absolute hive of activity. Tim and I are standing up the back of the grandstand, landing on a rail. We've got a couple of mics on us, so there's, there is a little bit of background noise, but hopefully just adds a little bit of atmos. My next guest is Tim McKinnon. Tim is a senior director with LAWD, and he's a, one of the leading valuers in the Australian rural property market. Now, you might be familiar with LAWD. They're actually the first business that jumped on board and gave us support from the very beginning. Tim's background, he started life as a, on, a, on the family dairy farm in southwest Victoria. But he did see the big city lights of Melbourne, so he headed off there for university, studying a property degree with the aspiration and dreams of becoming a stock and station agent. In this chat, as we fast forward, we hear about Tim's journey, some of those different trade-offs and opportunities that came up. And one part which I found really interesting, Tim's actually one of the founders of LAWD. And so we wanted to talk about how they actually set up the business from the very beginning. How do they approach building a team and the culture that they wanted to have? And what I loved about this, because it's something which I really wonder about, is that Tim was talking about the approach and how they did it. It was definitely that they wanted to have fun, but they wanted to make sure they built the foundations right for what the business will be and could be rather than what it is today. And that's something which I found really fascinating and interesting and something I, uh, I want to emulate with what I do as well. Tim's a graduate of the Australian Rural Leadership Program and as we sat down for this chat, I was just about to head off to the Kimberley myself. So I may have been trying to weasel a little bit of information off him, but as is custom for anyone who's done the program, you don't tell a heck of a lot. But I, I did enjoy finding out how that program actually shaped and what the learnings were from it. And one thing that I've been wondering is, uh, and chatting to some of our listeners and other guests, is when you're involved in agriculture but you're not living in rural and regional Australia, how do you approach that question of belonging? And it's definitely a deeper one towards the back end of the podcast and it's something I would love to hear from you guys and discuss further. And finally, we've got his advice to Year 10 students. Hope you enjoy the chat. Because you're a Victorian boy. Victorian, yeah. I grew up um, in Western Victoria, down in um, Tarang on a dairy farm down there. Um, yeah, one of one of six, five boys and and one uh, one sister. So grew up, um, yeah, like a lot of people down there, just all part of the farm. The yeah. old, uh, yeah, family school holidays is all about milking cows and just doing farm work and that sort of thing. So. Um, we all had to be part of it, and it was probably, you know, one of the best things about childhood. Doing all that, mum and dad teaching us, you know, we all learned how to work. That was their big thing. So no one uh, got any special treatment. Everyone had to play their part, and that was just how it was. So, um, yeah, so I grew up down there. What um, age do you reckon you started working in the dairy? Oh, that's a good question. I was, <laughs> I was a bit of a... Uh, and everyone laughs about it now in the family because, um, yeah, early days going to school, I was uh, was a bit of, a bit reluctant to go to school and uh, <laughs> didn't really like my time there the first couple of years. 
few tears and that sort of thing, but I actually just wanted to be back with Dad and be on the farm. So I suppose it started back then. Um, yeah, and always just just like being on the farm. Um, yeah, couldn't get enough of it really. School holidays, the whole lot. That's what it was sort of all about. So um, in the dairy, I don't know when we probably started. Probably, uh, I'm probably going to exaggerate this, but I reckon it was probably nine or 10 or something. Yeah, you're in the actual dairy. You're probably five or six where you're, out yarding up cattle and that yeah, sort of right. thing. It's, it's funny now, and we're on quad bikes and that sort of thing. You look at a quad bike now and they have those, you know, no one under the age of 16 on them and they have a cross sign through it and no two people riding on it. We did all of that and you think, oh, that's just, and now you hear all the, the horror stories of quad bikes and so it, yeah, it didn't really um, enter our mind back then. But Survive that part of life. Yeah. Well, I did have one uh, accident when I was younger. I was sitting right on the front of a quad bike yeah. and went through a um, barbed wire fence. My brother was driving and, yeah, just hacked right across my leg, up under my neck and on my arm. And, yeah, I had, I think, about 40 or 50 stitches all over my legs. And, Holy yeah. Shit. So I, that You're was lucky. at the tender age of four. So I <laughs> <laughs> uh, still remember going into the hospital, all jammed in the ute. And I think Dad, um, Mum was away. Dad had the... Um, just walked out of the dairy and the cows just stayed there with the cups on, I think. So, yeah, I survived that. So, but yeah, childhood was all about, yeah, just working on the farm and, and sport. Like, sports was a huge thing down there. At so, what stage, like, did you start to, I'm guessing, like, and we'll get to where you are now, but as a value in that, at some stage you must have started to, like, study or, um, or school or something. Uh, was there elements that started to draw you in? No, always, like, school, I was never a... Uh, an A-grade student, but it was probably more, I went away to boarding school, St. Pat's in Ballarat, and that was a big, um, just a huge thing for me. Like I was pretty, pretty um, shy, reserved young guy, and just being able to get out there and go to school was, um, the boarding school and put yourself out there was, was great, um, just to show that there was more than just the local little district, and yeah, which is great, and I still love going back there now, but just sort of opened your eyes a bit more and met different people. And um, I really wanted to be, I did work experience a couple of times with a local stock agent. Yeah. It's always like the idea of, yeah, I wanted to be a, a stock, um, stock and station agent. And then um, through uni, I had an uncle who was a valuer, but I probably didn't want to go down that report writing uh, path. I like the idea of being on farms and that sort of thing, but that didn't really, Excite me, but I did sort of get to the end of year 12. Yeah, I wanted to, um, wanted to go to Melbourne. I had older brothers that had been to Melbourne and lived a Melbourne life. They, they had a fair bit of fun, so I was like, yeah, that sounds pretty good. So I was suggested I should go and study and do something there. So I thought, I knew the property course, and I thought, well, that's probably the closest thing while I'm there. I, I probably should have done agri business, like something at Marcus or something like that, but I never really. Never really knew about it, I suppose. So a brother who did ag science, and I was definitely no scientist, so that turned me off science. If there was an agribusiness course, I would have that would have been ideal. But anyway, I went down the property course and thought, oh, that's that's close enough to I'll do that and get that done. Then I'll go and be a stock agent. But do you reckon, like now looking back, and this is something which I'm like, yeah, I'm interested in because there's obviously the subsidies for people to study ag degrees. Yep. But do you reckon? Like not studying an ag degree, has it held you back? Has it hindered you at all? Um, it hasn't, but I've sort of 
force my way into it, I guess. Um, yeah. But you know, in at uni we studied a bit of. Um, so there used to be always a rural valuation component of the valuation course. And I sort of got the last bit of that where it was considered a key component. It's pretty interesting now. We've just heard Anthony Lee talk today about getting children and getting kids into agriculture at an early age and being part of the school curriculum, that sort of thing. Um, because, yeah, in the valuation course, that rural piece just went further and further back. Now I think they might do two hours on it where we did a whole subject of rural valuations. So um, <clears throat> from our point of view, I think we sort of had a little bit of that. Having the farm background, I always had that interest. And majority of the guys I lived with at, during uni were all doing ag science. So I spent most of my life hanging around with the ag science crew. Yeah. My wife thought for the first couple of years that I did do ag science. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I sort of knocked around with that crew. So I was always sort of in and around it um, without studying it. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, it's like for us now, I think our best, we've had good success in getting young staff um, out of the likes of Marcus Oldham and those sorts of things because they have got that ag training and, yeah, then we can sort of, I think we can teach them the valuation bit on the, um, on the job and then they can go do a postgrad pretty quickly. So that's sort of the path we're going down. So yeah, I think like the ag piece is, is really critical and I think Marxists are doing a, a good job now. They've got you know, a bigger component of agriculture in their degree mm -hmm. now, uh, in valuation, sorry, in their degree. So yeah, I think that's good. And like what stopped you from going back to the family farm? Was it that you weren't first in line? Uh, yeah, no, older brother went back. Um, he took a while. Oh. I kind of just, once I got going into valuations, I first off did, while I was still at uni, I was doing residential houses. I did that for about 18 months. Yeah. And realised pretty quickly, that's not what I want to do for the rest of my life. You didn't like being that, that guy. <laughs> that guy. thousand and all yeah. residential real estate. Four, <laughs> four bedroom brick veneer dwellings in, you know, the western suburbs of Melbourne was, um, after about 18 months, it was enough. Um, I got pretty sick of that. And I... There's a guy that I end up to go and work for, Sam Patton, still practices now. He's, um, yeah, he was really interesting. He put a, just an ad up at uni for anyone interested in agriculture. And that sort of, I started there and he did a lot in vineyards and wineries and horticulture, which is all just foreign to me, but it was so good to learn off him. And, you know, he just knew that like back of his hand. So um, once I sort of got in there and then, <clears throat> Then he he sold out and another company bought in and, and Danny Thomas sort of come across along then and then we just happened to end up working together by coincidence really, Danny and myself. And um, sort of from there we've been on a on a journey for I think we worked out the other day, it's seventeen years. Okay, so um, yeah, he's a big man out the front and I'm the uh, guy behind the scenes, so and it's sort of worked really well. So as we built that up I kind of Thought, yeah, we had, and it was sort of building and chasing clients and doing that sort of thing. I thought if I went anywhere, I'd miss that opportunity. So I've sort of just stuck to it. Um, so that's sort of what stopped me going back. Yeah. I, to be honest, I was never a, a huge fan of milking cows. I liked the idea of cattle work and tractors and that sort of stuff. So I'd do all that sort of stuff, but milking cows wasn't the um, my first go-to. Yeah. So... Um, I didn't think. 
yeah, I didn't think I could go back and, uh, you know, they're pretty cold winters down there. And, oh, yeah. and even more so now that I'm up here that they're bloody cold down there. So wet and cold and, yeah, that was probably the, the turn off. Um, and it's, the it's, MCG in winter right here. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's bloody, like, it's, it's hard work too. Like, you know, everyone works hard, but dairy farming is just, just constant. And I suppose that's probably one of the things that, yeah, sort of, um, sort of turned me off. Is yeah, it's more the, the probably the milk and cows bit, I suppose. Yeah. Not that I didn't do it; I did plenty of it, but yeah. And so, the the real estate game, like you, you ended up landing kind of on your feet. You mentioned that you met Danny. Yeah, I met Danny, and obviously those who know me know that Danny's been a um, big part of my life. Um, yeah, 17 years we've worked together. Uh, well, this is our 17th year, I think we worked there. Um, so, yeah, we've you know been through a number of companies and sort of built our way up from a, a small, private, locally owned Victorian company to a national to international firm to now going out and doing our thing. So we've sort of done full circle, I suppose. Um, and, yeah, it's just it's been, been able to ride the back of... Um, corporatization of agriculture I suppose so that's we sort of took that on early days and thought that's the um, that's where we wanted to focus and it's yeah probably just by luck that you know that's where the um, the industry's gone in in one sense so we've been able to to ride it yeah has it been like the growth and appreciation of kind of land assets but being in this space and watching it go for 70s has it been something that's really kind of surprised you over that time oh it's probably probably the last two years that's really um surprised me just the appreciation like it's it's unbelievable what some of the land values have done just in in two years and it you know it's still it's still hard to get your head around how we've seen doubling and more in some areas in two years and you just think holy hell and so yeah, obviously a lot of people have done it tough in the drought and that sort of thing, but there's some pretty um, pretty wealthy farmers out there now, like some pretty big balance sheets. Like, yeah, it's unbelievable. And that's a bit like, I, well, I just couldn't wrap my head around it with, um, like through the drought, I was like, how are we having the worst drought on record, but like land values and things. Yeah, they just, you're right, they just kept going up, I think. Um, you know, there's still people making money and, yeah, it was hard work for the agents to get deals done, but... Yeah, they had to really make it work. But yeah, land values did keep going up. Um, I think probably because, you know, interest rates were coming down. Yeah. So as interest rates were getting lower and lower, you know, you're getting down to 2% interest. Like, yeah, that's Weather what we worked storm. about. Yeah, you know, 20 grand per million borrowed. Like, it's not a whole lot of money. And then cattle prices and commodity prices were still pretty good. So you sort of had two of the components that were going well it was just the the season that wasn't but you know it wasn't everywhere that um that was happening either so yeah there was pockets where people were still making money so they'll go into other areas to buy and that sort of thing so yeah and and for you guys like during that time obviously i think people look at it from the there's the transaction side but then there's also the whole valuations back yeah. end yep um piece like are you guys busy like during those dry years like do you guys have peaks and troughs like a traditional ag business or what's it like? Oh, valuations guys? is, uh, <laughs> we joke about this, but we say we like a uh, we like a moving market. Doesn't matter if it's going up or going down. Like when it's going up, 
we've got landholders and frontline bankers coming to us and going, we're going to buy again, can we get revalued? You know, we want to unlock that equity and go again. Mm. In a down downturn, and I've really, you know, I've been doing this ag side of it 17 years. It's really only GFC, post-GFC, where it started to have some uh, challenges. Um, and the banks then, or a different part of the bank, but they all want to know what mm. what's, you know, security levels are at, so we're busy again. And, and that started to happen, but as soon as the um, pandemic hit, yeah, yeah, everyone everyone panicked in all markets. And yeah, I just remember even, you know, ones who are industrial or commercial valuers, they'd never been busier because they were having to do valuations almost every month. That's how quick that market was moving. And, um, you know, investors started to really, not panic, but just wanted to know what was going on so regularly um yeah so yeah in short a moving market is a good market for a valuer when yeah. it's stagnant it um yeah it, you're not required as much because there's not a whole lot of activity going so we just we just like to see activity either way and so the question probably on everyone's lips is where where are they going from here Land um it's interesting i would say that it's going to plateau but i did hear someone uh we had a staff conference down in Melbourne last week and we had a um, uh, an ad consultant there who does a lot of benchmarking in New South and Vic. And at cu- uh, current commodity prices and even at interest rates, I think he said at 5%, there's still money in it, good money in it. So he, uh, he was thinking it's going to be, you know, up to $2,000 a, a DSE, which if you put that into... Um, Queensland speaking to AEs, that's over twenty thousand dollars an AE, which is, you know, is good. Um, is is good value on on real estate? Like at the moment, it's probably fourteen, fifteen hundred a DSE through New South, if you said, and Vic, and it's probably um, more like ten to fifteen throughout Queensland, in not up in the far north or west, but yeah, in those more centralised spots. Yeah, holy hell! So. Yeah, what's the that, that would say there's probably a bit to go in it. And like the, the cotton guys, have, they've got full storages in northern New South Wales and southern Queensland. Yeah. They've just got to get their crop off this year. But <laughs> yeah, they're, um, yeah, I think there's still some areas there that probably have a little bit more of a run as well. So yeah, um, I think we'll probably see some uplifts in some areas and probably a plateau in others. Yeah, really. I don't know if we'll see anything really go backwards. So yeah. And I want to I want to shift to talk about LAWD and kind of because yep. you were one of the very were you one of the founding yeah it was back there at the early days yeah yeah so so that like decision coming out of the back of um, the drought and I think one thing that like I love about your business is coming from looking from the outside in at what you guys do it seems like you've got an incredible culture you're hiring great people you're having fun in what you do. Like it genuinely looks like people enjoy it. And you've also kind of shown that you can give some of the, I'll say traditional areas of ag, like a, a bit of a shake up with new entrants. From the early days of actually building a team. And, and this is one thing which I'm kind of fascinated by and what I'm trying to do is hopefully yep. growing humans in ag. Like what, what were the characteristics you guys were looking for and how did you actually, what were the priorities of building a team in a business from the foundations? Oh, it's uh, the classic line, and this would be cheesy, but, you know, the hire for character and that sort of thing. Um, that's first and foremost. Like, 
even from our, we employ a lot of young people um, and always have and trained up a lot of young people. Um, and 99% of the time, it's the, it's the character that we go for and, um, you know, work ethic and we work hard, like, and we drive them pretty hard. Um, and that's who we think we like to try and get that balance and have some pretty good fun as well. But we work hard and we get to get some good opportunities work-wise as well. So we sort of, that's part of the, the carrot, I guess. Um, but definitely it's mainly character to get the right person into the business. Because I think, you know, you can train the other bits that, you know, if everyone, you go to uni, you learn that sort of stuff. Really, you learn most of it on the job. But if they've got those um, skills to go and do that, well, then they're going to be fine from that point of view. It's more about are they right, are they the right fit. So, yeah, that's probably, yeah, where we, we've really honed in on that, having the right the right people. Um, yeah, and, yeah, we've got a great group of people now that, you know, fit all those, fit that, that box, I guess. Yeah. Hey, it's Nick here, sheep farmer and Rabobank Regional Client Council member. I'm passionate about supporting our local community so we can improve community well-being and build strong local economies. My job as a client council member is to help secure funding for regional grassroots initiatives. Those that support education in ag, rural health, sustainability and help bridge the country-city divide. We've helped organisations like Boys to the Bush, funded school field days like Ag Vision and held succession planning workshops, just to name a few. If you have an idea to make a difference to regional Australia, go to our website at www.rabobank.com.au and nominate via our community fund. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, and, and for you guys, because like, how many staff are there now, ballpark? Uh, we're 50-something. Yeah, wow. Which, yeah, is, that's funny because you kind of it rolls off the tongue. You go, yeah, 50 or... And it wasn't really until we had a staff conference, as I mentioned, down in Melbourne. And you walk into the room, you're like, shit, there's a lot of tables and chairs here. Like, <laughs> we came here. And then they're like, oh, so we need another couple of chairs. And you're like, shit, I didn't think we were going to fill this out. But anyway, um, so yeah, it has grown, yeah, very quickly. Um, but yeah, it's just been, we've been lucky, obviously, with the, you know, the market has, um, you know, just hummed along and so, from Val's, we've been flat out, and the agency guys, are, you know, there's plenty of the boys in the team and girls that have had record years on an agency sales front. So we're just lucky, right place, right time, sort of thing. That's yeah. really helped us. Yeah, launching a business in the midst of a pandemic with travel restrictions, like because you, yeah, that, that's that's a funny thing you say that. I remember Cole Medway saying to me, he's like, I think Josh Frydenberg must have come out at one point and said, "Are we going to go into a recession?" And talking to Colin, he's like, yeah, nothing like starting a business at the, at the start of a recession. And shit, who would have thought it'd do the complete yeah. opposite? But yeah, no, I did panic then. I was like, holy hell, what are we doing? Like, yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a concern. But um, yeah, I didn't think the market was going to do what it did or the economy for that matter. So what was your biggest learning from, I'll say, like a, I'll say, call it a startup business, which seems like a weird word to use for you guys. But um, um, oh, a couple of things. It is, Backing yourself—that's a bit like what you know what you've done and 
and, and it's funny when you, you sort of leave a, a big corporate and then, um, you know, <laughs> you talk to a lot of people, clients and mates, and they're like, oh, it's the best thing you ever do. You won't, really, won't know yourself. And, yeah, and it's been fantastic. You think, geez, no one ever said that to me beforehand. But, yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But no, it is like just backing yourself. And, and it's been a lot of fun, like, um, and not having that. <laughs> And you'll find this, you have no layers above you if you want to go and do something and you've really, yeah, just got to back yourself and you think, I remember talking to Cole and Pete Sagar saying, I think we should do this for, for my little part of the valuation business. And they were like, yeah, well, you do whatever. Like, it's, you're the expert, it's your business. I was like, holy shit, usually I'm used to having, you know, a whole heap of... Having to justify. <laughs> justifying to, you know, multiple levels above you. And then it's like, ah, okay, righto, we'll, we'll just back that in. And oh, there's different things we would have done better and that's you know just the technical side of things in the back of house but yeah um yeah it's it's been it's been good fun that's probably uh, yeah the backing yourself bit and just having a crack yeah it's a funny one because one thing like, and it was the beauty of the podcast if any like if you actually go back and look you could i started to talk to people in the areas that i was trying to get yep. my head around because like, i knew what i like deep down i knew what i wanted to do Yep. But I nearly needed that like external validation. So yeah. I'd try and chat with people who had jumped out. And like it was actually really hard to find people who had gone like, and I felt like I got to a juncture of it was like, keep going and build like a career in corporate ag or yep. go and give this itch a proper scratching. Yep. And it was like trying to find people to chat to that had done it. It was um, like, there's actually not really that many out there. That stepped out and yeah, and taken it on. Um, and yeah, like that's I think for you, like kudos for you for doing it because I guess we had there's a couple of us to do it, so you kind of you got a little team oh. and you're like, yeah, that's okay, I can tuck in with those those guys and away we go. So, and yet you know to have have those guys on board was amazing. You know, John McKillop and you know guys Cole Mebby and Pete and Sega, like yeah, to have them on on board. I was that's funny. It goes back to a little bit of the. Um, you know, when I did the Australian Rural Leadership, the old um, imposter syndrome, and then all of a sudden you're sitting around a table with all these guys and, you know, John, now CEO of Hancock, and, you know, done some pretty big jobs, the Sard and Clyde, all that sort of stuff, and you're sitting around the board table going, what do I know about this sort of stuff? You kind of, it was pretty daunting. You're sitting there thinking, geez, this is all a bit serious. I thought the board meeting might have been, you know, a couple of beers and a sausage or something. <laughs> <laughs> was like, yeah, so that... Um, Changes... Well, yeah, that. That, 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 that was a big learning, that whole board side of things. I'd never sat on a board or anything like that. So that was all of a sudden, you know, John had run plenty of boards. He was very formal and he said, like, we're going to sort of start it how, how we want it to be in the future, not how we think it is today. So, um, yeah, I remember sitting there and he sort of started off the meeting and I, it sort of snapped me in the gear pretty quick. I sit up straight and think, oh, yeah, right, this is, this is a bit, um, bit more serious than what I thought. So... Um, yeah, I was going to ask that, like, because, like, you guys, it looks like you all get on, like, bloody well. Yep. But, obviously, there's that professionalism yeah, there is that, that you need to, that there's, there's the, the fun and do that. How do you, yeah, how do, does that come with the balance of going, okay, you never compromise the governance side because then we, it allows us to have Yeah, and we've, we've, I suppose we always go back to that because that, um, that, that makes the whole place work, I guess. Um, and John was really big on that um, and big on culture. So he was really, you know, always focusing on that, the culture, but then what we're there, what we're 
here for sort of thing, you know, like we're service clients, we don't have clients, we don't have a business. So, you know, you can have that fun times and do all that, but if you're not delivering, well then, so it's kind of self-regulates a little bit. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that, um, yeah, we, it, it's, yeah, we do have a lot of fun and we were down in Melbourne last week, so that was all a bit of, bit of fun, but it was all very serious too. That's probably the, the characters we've got in the in the team as well that can have fun but when it's when it's on it's on yeah. like cole's really good at that like yeah we all well, when it's serious it's serious so it's but we all know that right when we want to go and have a beer or you know go and do any event or it's it's a bit of fun as well so yeah kind of just got to find that balance and in terms of you touched on the arlp and the leadership side like what was it that spurred you on to throwing your hat in the ring for doing something like as big as the ARLP, like it's a huge commitment from a family and professional side of things. Yeah, it's, I don't know, I've sort of been looking at it for a number of years and then um, kind of finding excuses not to put my hat in the ring, if that makes sense. You kind of look at the oh, applications are open, you go, oh yeah, and then, ah oh, damn, the applications are closed. Oh, I don't have to worry about it for another 12 months. <laughs> so you sort of kept, I kept telling myself that. Um, but I, yeah, I sort of wanted to do some sort of more training and I didn't really want to go back to uni and so just the the thing that drew me to it was that experiential learning like really it's not about pens and papers because I do enough of that every day I feel like my evaluation work a lot of it is like doing uni assignments type thing so I didn't want to go and do that but I wanted the experience piece and that's why it was so good Um, and yeah, I guess I just sort of got to that point in my life, I suppose, that I was thinking, what next? I've been doing valuations. I just sort of wanted to challenge myself. And yeah, I just read about it, spoke to a couple of people. But um, yeah, I sort of just dug it out myself, really. I don't know how I come across it, but yeah. And what do you reckon the best thing for like, you, either personally or professionally, out of that piece? Um, there's a couple of things. It's... Um, just learning, you know, that we were talking about that chaos bit before. Yeah. Um, just coping with that and not getting flustered. So that's a that's a good thing. Um, meeting the people, like, that's always great to go and do those things. And you go through some pretty some pretty deep experiences, I suppose, with, with people. And, yeah. you know, I got some really good friends out of it. And, you know, it's quite funny. Stewie Johnson, who works at Paraway, he was the only guy in the whole cohort that I knew before going into it. We ended up in the group together, so that was that yeah, was pretty right. funny. And we sort of thought, how's this all going to go? But yeah, it was amazing, really. Like you can pick up the phone now to Stu anytime, and it's like, yeah, just kick off. We mightn't speak to him for six months, twelve months, whatever. And you've been through a fair bit together. That um, so that side of things was it was really good. Um, other learning is, um, yeah, just um, what would you say? There's, there's a um, sort of be prepared for the unexpected, I suppose, um, yeah. and don't be, don't be alarmed. So that, is, you know, you think back now and you go, what, you know, what, what did you take out of it? What, and it's probably part of that, you know, starting a new business, that sort of thing as well. That, you know, something gets thrown up, don't get flustered or there's a way to get through it or a way to work through it just 
stop and think about and work through the process. That's probably been the, the big thing. And what do you reckon you learn um, about yourself? Because I, I reckon, yeah, that's it's the interesting part. That you're going, <laughs> like, because you're going through it at a similar, well, you're completely different, uh, I'll say, life stages of businesses, but in the same sense, you were still starting up your business. Yeah, yeah, and, and coming, out of a, coming out of a corporate and yeah, trying to, a trying to navigate. in your life. Yeah, yeah, it was huge. Um, what did it learn about myself? Um, I'll probably, not probably, I'm bullet a gate. No, I expect everyone else to be like that and get on the get on the train. So I did, you know, there's a few experiences you have that and you're charging along and you, you sort of look around behind you and they're not there and you're yeah. thinking, oh, hang on, I better just pull up. And, and it's, you know, it's not all about me. You've got to sort of bring the team along with you, which, you know, it, um, I probably should remind myself that every day, but um, <laughs> it's, I'm sure you're not that bad. But no, just, you know, sort of like going hard and you get put into these situations and you sort of just go hard. I suppose I'm determined. Yeah. And you go hard to do it and you think there can be some collateral damage, I guess. So um, that's yeah. probably part of it. That, that was a good thing out of like, yeah, going to the, the Kimberley and that two weeks there. Um, and like, Probably not. It probably was designed, but you know, handing in your phone and, and wallet when you're there is, is quite good. Not having access to your phone. Like, yeah. I don't know if I said too much there or not, but um, no, we know that part. <laughs> but yeah, just not having access to your phone for two weeks. Like I haven't done it since, and I've it's been three years, two and a half years. I probably not oh, coming up three. I should um, you do, know, it do, do it again because it, it's just amazing what it does for your head. But yeah, that that was just a good little thing on the side that yeah. realise the world doesn't end when that um, when you do that so yeah no that's I'm actually looking forward to that bit um, but wrap, like, wrapping up I've got a couple of questions I don't know if you checked your emails this morning I did yep oh perfect um, can't remember well why not why not Ken um, so you get the, the chance to go and talk to your 10 students and what's your advice to them about careers in agriculture well it's 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 a good question and very apt given um, we just yeah. heard from Anthony Lee this morning talking about young people in agriculture and how we can get them in. I just think agriculture is, there's just so many options um, and it's not all about milking a cow or driving a tractor or, or doing those things. Um, there's just so many different aspects of it and like we're here at the ECA today and you look out here of all the different companies and you know you got Auctions Plus and all these stock lives, Suncorp, you know, a number of banks and elders and nutrient like livestock guys. And there's just so much in agriculture that you can do. Mm. Um, and you just get to meet such great people. I think that's probably, probably the two best parts. And it's the best part about my um, job, I think, my hands down is the people. And for me, the travel, even though, you know, I've got a fantastic wife, Anna, home with three kids and you know I'm off all over the countryside sort of every day of the week so you know I couldn't do it without her so I'm blessed by that but um, you know to go and travel I've been able to see pretty much every part of Australia pretty much apart from the Nullarbor I've been everywhere full work yeah even to New Zealand and even once went to Peru to look at an avocado farm and so just to be able to go and just experience that and meet different people and uh, my kids laugh and ask me, Dad, do I know people just all over Australia? Because we moved up here to Brizzy seven years ago, still travel home every 
Christmas or New Year's and we stop along the <laughs> way and we stop and visit people or you just pull into a servo and someone walks out or you pull into a pub for dinner and you bump into a client or someone you know and it's just, yeah, they, they kind of, it's probably false reality for them. I think everyone just knows everyone, but yeah, yeah. it's amazing. Every town I pretty much stop and you can always call someone up for a coffee or you bump into, yeah. It's, so that whole people side of it and just being able to get out and see Australia. And I think, you know, for young people, you know, a lot of people want to travel overseas and do that sort of stuff. There's some pretty amazing places in Australia that, you know, and I've a real love for the Kimberley, especially after doing the, the course there. Like, that's an amazing part of the world that not many people in Australia have seen. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, be able to go there. And I go there back regularly now for work and fly around the plane and the helicopter and it's all pretty cool fun, but it's an amazing landscape that just, I think people should go and see. So, the, you know, not every job in agriculture allows you to travel, but every job in agriculture allows you to meet a lot of those people from, you know, I think just agricultural people are very genuine and just, you know, we're here at the Ecker today and this next few days here in Brizzy is just brilliant because you can just be, you know, you're just with people. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, they're good fun. I want to ask, so off the back of this morning's chat, and I missed it, which um, I feel like after the topic and what he talked about, yeah. kicking myself. But anyway, um, like you've lived in Brizzy for seven years, travel all over Australia, but like off the back of this morning's chat, um, what do you reckon a perspective is that we in agriculture need to shift to kind of a general population about the sector and what's actually happening in it? Yeah, I still think it's probably... Brisbane's different. and I, So my experience coming to Brisbane is that, and I say this regularly to people and family and that down south, that agriculture, agriculture matters or agriculture is a real industry in Brisbane. Mm-hmm. So it's not, you think accounting firms and law firms and all those sorts of things ourselves, you know, in Brisbane, each one of those um, service providers has an agricultural division. You can go to um, Sydney or Melbourne and agriculture sort of just forms part of something else. Yeah. And so agriculture is real and you know a lot of business gets done here in, in Brizzy. So I think in Brisbane, it's, it's well known, but it's probably still, um, yeah, there's still more awareness we could do. But yeah, definitely in you know, the key population centres, Melbourne and Sydney, it, um, yeah, it's just going more and more, I suppose. The, and Anthony spoke about it, like 90% of the population now live in, in urbanised areas. Um, he's just being able to, to train them and, well, not train them, just educate them, I suppose. And we're just simple things like where your food comes from and where your clothes come from, that sort of thing. Yeah. How we do that, you know, I think Anthony hit a real chord there today talking about that. Yeah. So just starting educating, in starting yeah. in schools when you're young. Like, he used a couple of examples of, uh, what's it called, Little Munchkins, I think it's called, which is a rugby league um, junior pathways thing. Yeah. Being a southerner, I was thinking more of, you know, Oz kick. Um, yeah, real but, footy. Yeah, <laughs> real footy, that's right. But, you know, we're, they're just into you from day dot. Yeah. Um, and so he, he touched on doing something like that with Ag, and I thought, yeah, that's that's pretty pretty good because, yeah. you know, in Victoria, you, you, you brainwash from from about four years old into Auskick. Looping back, question that you'd like me to ask a future guest on the podcast, is anything springing to mind? And I've listened to a number of the um, podcasts, even your own. That was uh, oh. 
that Jackie did. That was great. Um, the, the thing you were sort of seeking, I suppose, as you were um, doing uh, your podcast and where you were going, you know, that, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I, I suppose that's what I look for or trying to listen and just get learnings out of out of that so it's yeah what it's the question that you know what learnings did you get from you know if you get those people who go off and do something or have a change in you know what were their learnings and why'd they why'd they do it or how do they how do they feel type yeah. thing like it's yeah that whole shit you're going to take this leap and do it yourself type thing yeah so yeah oh yeah they're it's probably similar to you you're doing it live. I was sort of there listening, trying to get the similar sort of answers, I guess. Yeah. Well, I've got one question which I want to ask you because it's something which like, I've been thinking about but um, other people I've chatted to as well. And this, like, this sense of working in agriculture and like, doing it from a capital city, like the, the piece of... So at the moment, like I'm in Sydney and I guess the part on, my, um, on the ARLP question where you got asked and it was actually like... It was incredibly deep when we were um, forced to sit with it, but it was like, where, what makes you feel like you belong? And in, in, in agriculture, we have this incredible piece of belonging in ag is about being in the bush and whatnot. But we also have plenty of people like yourself who does travel, but you're actually based in the city. So when it comes to belonging in the industry, but doing it from the non-traditional area. Yeah, but- that, that, yeah that's a... That's a great question and something I've grappled with. And even like really in the ARLP because it was a big piece of it. You know, the whole um, uh, benefiting rural and regional remote Australia. You're thinking... That's the bit that I really struggle with. Sitting there going, you know, I live in Brisbane and (laughs) I live in Clayfield and, you know, that's all well and good, but I'm only 10 minutes from the city. Like, But I suppose it's a little bit of that... Foster syndrome as well, thinking, oh no, I do go out into the bush and I do, and you know, work with farmers and investors and all sorts. Um, so yeah, that that's that's the that's the challenge I have. Um, and you, geez, you, early days, I used to find it. Yeah, you come out from Melbourne when I was working down there, and you go out to a, a dairy farm or something, and they'll be like, oh, what's this buddy? city slicker coming out here to tell me what my farm's worth and yeah. you know you'd it's a you'd have to find your kind of your story I suppose to and not just blast it onto someone to prove that you're um, you're from the bush yeah. and you, you get it you've milked a cow you've driven a tractor or whatever um, so you sort of have to find your I don't know, get your story across to them subtly without trying to big note yourself and say, yeah, yeah, I know how to do this. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's something that I guess I've been able to work into, yeah, just meeting people. And, and a lot of people ask though, like, it's a, that's not a, that's not a common job, I guess, rural property valuation. So, yeah. um, like, a lot of the people are very inquisitive as well. Like, how the hell did you get into this? And like, what's your background? Like, why are you in this? Yeah. And then that opens it, and then you say, "Well, I'm from here." And then they go, "Oh, yeah, right, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, you're not a city slicker." And and but I think even if it went the other way, if and we've got guys who've grown up in the city, and you know, yeah, that you do regularly get asked, "How'd you get into this job?" And so yeah. then you say, oh, "I just really loved agriculture, and, and I got involved, or I went and did this." And I think then people go, "Oh, yeah, that all makes sense," and move on. But 
So yeah. I always wonder, and I reckon it's part of the ARLP, it's like around how much of it's actually just self-taught and like no one, oh, you might be 2% of people are actually thinking that way, but yep. you get in your head and you get caught up and it's... Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. And so you have like, this thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it probably isn't. Yeah. Like if you stop and think about it now, <laughs> they go, they're just, people are just curious and want to know yeah. how you got into it and then you tell a story and yeah. But it's, um, yeah, it is a... Uh, an interesting, interesting concept, but yeah, you're probably right. It's probably not as big a thing as what we, who are then city-based, feel it actually is. Yeah, um, that's what I tell myself anyway. No, well, I think <laughs> you're right because people just go, "Well, look, you just want to have a crack." And it's quite yeah. funny. You think of, um, you know, I heard Ken Warren speak yesterday, and he said like he grew up in Gympie and he wasn't off the land and that sort of thing. And look at what he's gone and gone and done and. Mm. I think uh, Trevor Lee might have been the same. Like he grew up in, there's a whole heap of people in agriculture that have, you know, that are actual leaders in the, in the industry that have actually grown up and then gone out and into it. So you don't yeah. have to be born on the land. That's probably, you know, we've talked about it. You go back to a year 10 kid yeah. and say, you don't have to have been brought up on the land. Um, we go to cattle stations all the time where they have gap, gap year students and, people would come up from down south to go work on a cattle station and a lot of them haven't come from an ag background some people think they're the best because they're easy to train yeah like they go you got no preconceived ideas or you haven't worked cattle a certain way and they got to try and teach it another way they've got no idea so they yeah they might take a little bit longer for the to get the first bit and then once they grapple with it then bang they, they actually might be better so yeah yeah so that's probably it you don't have to be from a an ag background to um, to work in agriculture. Beautiful. Well, Tim, thanks for coming by and having a chat here at the Echo in a grand old stand. No, no, it's great. It's, um, <laughs> it's just, yeah, good luck with what you're doing. It's been, I do listen to a lot. I spend a lot of time in planes and um, in the car. So yeah, it's keep up the good work. It's great. No, thank you. And thank you to the whole LAWD team because I think you guys are the first ones that gave me the crack and then it's that continuing support which yeah. is actually yeah, not even there's yeah the, the sponsorship side, but actually just having people to chat to and ask questions. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And, you know, I think John's been a McKillop was a bit of a sounding board for you as well. And, yeah, John and Cole and yeah, I yeah. think it's just yeah. Ginny, Ginny, yeah, it's been so it's been good. Yeah, beautiful, super. Thanks, Thanks mate. mate. You may have picked up there that we did do a little bit of circling towards the back end of that podcast. As we started to talk about the question of belonging and his advice to year 10 students, I really liked how we started to tease it out. Each week our podcasts are very conversational. We're sitting down, we're just having a yarn with different people. And so I hope you're enjoying hearing their stories. We've had a few people messaging us and giving us some recommendations and we've got some absolute crackers there. So if you do have anyone who you'd like to hear from on the podcast or certain topics, please reach out and get in touch with us. Hello at humansofagriculture.com And make sure you're looking after yourself. We'll look forward to joining you next week. Stay safe, stay sane.